This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Is the Russell Wilson trade from Seattle to Denver going to go down as the worst in NFL history? There are (laughs) plenty to choose from here, but considering the circumstances of the benching that took place on Wednesday, a change in the quarterback position for the Broncos as they try to get a win here against the Los Angeles Chargers. It begs the question that we are asking you on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein, in for Evan Canty and Michelle on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and over on the ESPN app. Of course, first one that comes to mind for me when you say worst NFL trade is the team that I used to cover. I didn't cover it at the time that the Minnesota Vikings traded for Herschel Walker and sent all those draft picks to Dallas, one of which they used to get a, um, you know, for their Hall of Fame coach. But I will look at this Russell Wilson trade and think back to a time where they were sitting fat and happy, riding around the country, going on their head coaching interviews, saying, Nathaniel Hackett, that's our guy. Why is he our guy? Because we think we're getting Aaron Rodgers. The panic move that ensued from that front office is, oh no, we can't get Aaron Rodgers. It's March 2022. Let's go get Russell Wilson and mortgage the future of this franchise for the next couple of years in order to do it. Yeah, I mean, this trade, provided Russell Wilson ends up not being in Denver next year and they have to eat whatever ends up being cap-wise, whether they will split it with the June 1st designation, or they just say, we're going to eat it all in one year, which they can do and teams have done before. The Falcons did it really last year when they took on the when they traded Matt Ryan. If you remember, Buffalo took on an exceptional amount of dead cap because that's the way to kind of rebuild and – eat it all in one year, something that the Saints never did under Sean Payton. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that if that's what they end up doing because the Saints are notorious for kicking the can down the road when it comes to the cap situation. And, yeah. well, you brought something up there because it made me think, like, let's look at the timeline real quick. With Sean Payton coming in, Russell Wilson, where those things stand. So George Payton gets hired. He's a general manager of the Denver Broncos. He gets hired in that final year. That was like Vic Fangio's final year. So 2021 was his first season out there. Russ comes in for 2022. Sean Payton comes in for 2023. So there's a one-year gap between each of them uh, just in succession here. I have heard from people I've talked to around the league that Sean Payton will eventually want his people in the Denver Broncos organization. Jeff Ireland, who was the Saints general manager for a time, is someone whose name has been floated for, you know, a number of different months that I've, you know, tapped into this. Kai Harley, who runs their salary cap with the New Orleans Saints, the guy responsible, or at least partly responsible for that kicking the can down the road element. Is Sean Payton going to try to recreate, like, the the way that they do business in New Orleans out in Denver where – Things like this, roster decisions that they may not like in a couple of years end up being okay because they end up circumventing the cap somehow and following that same business model. Because you're right, Mike, and and maybe this is a little too inside football, but there is no one who does it the way that the New Orleans Saints do, do it, where eventually the time to come pay the bill happens and... Somehow they keep end up pushing it down the line even further. Well, I mean, the Rams have kind of done a similar thing in terms of cap, but our friend Kat Ter- Terrell, who covers the Saints for us at ESPN, like 
the running joke is every year she has to sit there and kind of figure out a story of how the Saints are going to pull it off getting under the cap this year. And I co- Terry Fontenot, who I cover as the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, one of the things that they have really tried to do here because they don't want to do that is get under the cap and stay there mm-hmm. because it is just it ends up causing problems when it comes to having to restructure over and over again. And one day that when that bill does have to come due, you know you're going to be bad for a couple of years because you can't afford those players. It would not shock me if Sean Payton wants to eventually try and go that direction, whether it is Jeff Ireland, who has interviewed for other jobs over the past few years, whether he wants to bring in somebody else who's maybe been in that front office with him for a long time. That would not surprise mm-hmm. me in the slightest, Courtney. But I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to be – we'll see how this goes. But I would say that maybe that wasn't even the worst quarterback trade of that offseason. Okay. Because of the contract that was given after – of course, the Deshaun Watson deal in Cleveland is fully guaranteed. Yep. So if Cleveland, who we are seeing, Joe Flacco is playing better than Deshaun Watson did in Cleveland. And if Deshaun Watson does not play well next year, you have tied yourself guaranteed to him for longer. And then you need to make a decision potentially if it is not working because you are wasting yeah. a potential generational defense at that point. Plus, if they get to the playoffs with Flacco, which it seems like they are going to, and if they say they win a game or two in Cleveland, which doesn't happen with the Browns in the playoffs, say that happens, mm-hmm. what do you do then and you're stuck with this with this decision and you go back to Deshaun Watson next year, which you're going to do finan- for financial reasons, if nothing else, and it's just not working again or he gets hurt again. Like So I'm saying I'm not even 100% sure – that this was the worst deal this year. But it's certainly a very bad deal. And Deshaun Watson Mm -hmm. has a lot of time to maybe, at least on the football field, because obviously there's off-field issues there with the Deshaun Watson thing, which, you know, can play into the factor of this. But on the field, at least, Deshaun Watson will have more time to maybe figure this out because it feels like Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson will not, at least in Denver. We're not in that point yet because he's not playing the rest of the season. He's on season-ending injured reserve. He gets to either pass-fail that test in 2024, and whether we view that as the worst trade in NFL history, feels like we're teetering on that edge, but still, he has the benefit of time on his side. Russell Wilson may not after signing that five-year, 240, $2.6 million contract with the Denver Broncos after he was traded. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's the Dr. Pepper call-in line number to get in right now. We've got loaded phones. Worst trade in NFL history. If it's not Russell Wilson, then who is it? We'll start out Jason in Phoenix. Jason, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, guys. Uh, Merry belated Christmas to everybody over there. Thanks so um, much. You, you know, yeah, uh, you know, I think Russell's getting a, a bad rap right now. Uh, he's his passer rating is actually really good. I mean, twenty six touchdowns, eight interceptions. Brock Purdy has twenty nine touchdowns and eleven, and we're talking about him for an MVP. Um, uh, Sean Payton has not done a good job uh, with that defense, especially he's not a defensive coach, but he hasn't done a good job. I do have a question for you guys, though. What did, I, I kind of my premise is that. San Francisco is not going to pay Brock Purdy $40 million a year. They like this setup where they pay the quarterback cheap. 
do you guys think that they could possibly uh, like the quarterback position could could kind of turn into like the new running back position where we don't really want to pay that guy fifty million, sixty million dollars a year. We want to keep Joey Bosa. We want to keep Trent Williams and all these other guys around him. And we can go get a Caleb. We can go get you, you know uh, one of these kids out of the uh, out of the draft that can operate the offense. Do you think that could happen? It's a good question, yeah, Jason. Question. We, Jason. We we appreciate the call. Um, I'll say no because the the I mean the goal for every team is to go the Patrick Mahomes route where you have a quarterback on a rookie deal competing for a Super Bowl that the time you pay him you've already had multiple seasons of the playoffs maybe you get to the Super Bowl it is not it's the anomaly to have the Joe Burrow the Patrick Mahomes path the Jalen Hurts those who have gone I know it's I say anomaly and those have happened in the last couple of years but that's not the norm for every team that gets to the postseason where usually you have guys on second third contracts at that quarterback spot leading your team to the final game of the season it will never be it'll never be the case where you treat them like running backs where you're going to look at quarterbacks and say okay well we've had this guy for four years maybe five years if they're on a a rookie contract and they were a first rounder you will end up paying that position because it's a premium position in the nfl to where if you if you find a winning horse you're not getting off of it and that's probably the case that they roll with brock purdy on the reason that that figure that jason threw out paying paying brock purdy 40 million dollars feels like such a you know such a astronomical number is because we still associate the fact that he's Mr. Irrelevant with who he is and the fact that he's two years into this and we're already talking about paying him gobs of money when he hasn't won a Super Bowl. But that's the nature of, of the quarterback position in the NFL, Mike. It is. However, Jason has a point. He has a very good point, which is if you are a coach that's been there a while and you feel like your system is quarterback friendly, like San Francisco is, and we'll use San Francisco as the example here, and you can win kind of, I want to say no matter who is there, because bad quarterback play will tank your season. But if you feel good enough about your quarterback evaluation and that you can get at least get average quarterback play, and again, Brock Purdy is at a different level than what Jimmy Garoppolo was, and clearly Trey Lance just never really worked out there, and we'll see if he ever gets a shot in the NFL. But... I can see a scenario where they say, you know what? No, we don't want to pay a quarterback 35% of our cap because then you're really destroying your depth mm-hmm. and you're hamstringing yourself. I'm, you kind of saw it a little bit in Los Angeles, and Sean McVay has done a really good job this year of being able to navigate that, a team that has high-end stars and not a lot of depth, and you have to bank on your draft picks really panning out. It's a risky strategy to pay, play sometimes when you're paying – that quarterback that much. I go back to the Cincinnati Bengals. They just paid Joe Burrow all this money. And I talked to somebody in Cincinnati who event who basically told me this is going to probably be the best team that Joe Burrow plays on because it's the last team that they were able to pay everybody mm-hmm. and have the quarterback on the rookie deal. Joe Burrow is not ever going to necessarily have that type of option again because the rest of his career he's going to get high-end quarterback money, which he deserves, mind you. However... When you're sitting there and saying that, you also have to understand that when you pay a quarterback. And those are interesting decisions that you have to make when you're talking about the quarterback position and the decisions at a quarterback. Because the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. Courtney, both of us know that. Mm -hmm. However, at some point, 
you need to kind of figure out if there's a market correction for how much quarterbacks are making or if they decide, hey, we're going to maybe create a different salary cap. I've heard a whole bunch of different things about this, whether you create a different salary cap for quarterbacks or there's becomes like the NBA has all these exemptions, right? If they create a quarterback exemption to maybe hopefully get other players paid and also not potentially hamstring your team so much by paying a starting quarterback that type of money relative mm-hmm. to what everyone else in the league gets. It does feel like we're headed towards that. Like the bubble will eventually pop. I know some people don't believe that because of the size of these TV contracts keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But are we going to start at some point? Are we paying quarterbacks $70 million a year? Like that, that factors in. And this is a, this is a conversation <laughs> that can go a lot of different directions. I mean, that's, we'll, we'll that's leave a it. right fielder in baseball, Courtney. It is. And, <laughs> but, you know, baseball also does not have the uh, salary cap no, constraints that the NFL does. Most major sports don't. But that's the anomaly here that we deal with. Let's, let's leave this here because this is a good conversation. And it plays into Russell Wilson, what his future may be in the NFL. Is it if, he, if it's not with Denver next year? Does he have a path to starting somewhere else in the NFL? How does he get there? Cut, traded, or something else? We'll get into that next here on Sportsman like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein with you on Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Evan Canty and Michelle off until the new year, but you've got us for the next couple of days. You've got us for the next couple of hours right here on ESPN Radio. Pleased to welcome in Mark Schlereth, three-time Super Bowl champion, host of the Stinkin' Truth podcast, and you can also hear him on 104.3 The Fan in Denver, co-host of the Schlereth and Evans show. We appreciate the time, Mark. The news that came out yesterday, all of the reporting that Russell Wilson had known for months that this was going to be the decision that the franchise arrived at, which was he's benched for week 17 and week 18. How did we get here? Like, big picture, how did we get here after we did see improvement from Russell Wilson in 2023? Yeah, I think that, you know, you have to you have to understand. You have to look at production versus uh, you know production versus cost, and what you're asking him to do. There was improvement. There's no question about that. But the things that didn't improve, the things that you can't 
do as an offense are the things that are limiting them and the reason they have to play the way they play. I mean, when you think about the completions Russell has and he's 66% completion, he's got like 26 touchdowns versus only seven or eight interceptions, whatever it is. Um, statistically, yes, that looks good. But when you throw, you know, four bubble screens and throw uh, eight swing passes to your running backs and several screens to your running backs, like you're going to have inflated numbers. He doesn't throw the ball with anticipation. He doesn't throw guys open. He doesn't throw the ball into the middle of the football field very often. So it's either check downs to the running backs or check downs to the wide receivers, and then it's taking shots to Cortland Sutton three or four times a game off of a what we call play pass, meaning you're faking the ball out there, but you're keeping two tight ends in. It's seven and eight-man protections, two-man routes, and that's the entirety of their offense. And so if you don't stay on schedule, if you don't do some of these things, you know, if you don't run the ball exceptionally well, you don't stay on schedule, um, you don't have a lot, of time, a lot of opportunity to convert on third down and to convert in situations where you have to throw or you want to throw the ball in the middle of the football field. So, you know, for Russell, you look at it and you say, man, we're paying whatever it is, $40 million to a guy who is operating an offense that I could get a, you know, second-year journeyman to operate. Like, that's – that's the frustration for Sean Payton. That's the frustration for this offensive staff. Mark, do you think that Sean Payton understood that when he took the job with Russell Wilson and maybe where he is at in his career, or is this something he's had to kind of learn over time as the years gone on? No, I think it's something that he already knew was an issue. And, you know, I mean, the co- coaches talk to each other, and, and I'm sure he's had conversations with Pete Carroll and, and, you know, the reason that Russell is, you know, Russell was exceptional in Seattle, but the offense wasn't much different than what they're running now. Um, you know, Russell was unbelievably athletic. He still is very athletic. Um, and moving around and making big plays in the passing game. And, you know, they don't have the same receiving core that they did in Seattle all those years. And so it just hasn't worked out as well. But I think Sean knew that coming in, and I think this is why, you know, it, it was a report back in October after they beat the Kansas City Chiefs for the first time in 17 games that they went to him then and said, hey, man, we need you to do this. We need you to remove your, you know, your injury guarantees if we're going to move forward. Because at this point, again, your production doesn't meet um, your production doesn't meet the, the salary. And so, you know, we need to do this. And, you know, there's a lot of people that would look at that and say, well, it's just cheap and that's awful for the franchise. And, um, and that's every franchise and anybody who's ever played the game at some point or another has been, you know, screwed over by the franchise, um, whatever, like, and I'm not just talking about Denver. I'm talking about all 32 franchises and they come in and say, Hey man, you're not playing up to snuff up to the contract that we rewarded you with. And we want some of our money back. We want to renegotiate your contract. We want to cut you. That's why I don't ever get upset when a player outperforms his contract and says, I want more money. I'm going to hold out for more money because they do the exact same thing to the players. So that doesn't bother me. I understand how the business of football works. Mark Schler, three-time Super Bowl champion, host of the Stinkin' Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, joining us here on Unsportsmanlike. What is realistically next for Russ? Because Mike and I were discussing this, his options. He still has that no-trade clause, so if Denver tries to move him somewhere that he doesn't want to go, he can say, well, tough, I'm not going there, cut me, or retain me like 
Football future-wise, can he ever get back to the version that got him this contract in the first place, or is he headed towards a role that's completely foreign to him with another team next year? Yeah, well, based on the contract that he has and the production that he has put out the last two years, I don't think anybody's going to trade for him. Uh, and I think they understand that based on these moves that Bronco, the Broncos are going to have to release him, right? So then he'll be a free agent. And one thing I know about the NFL, you know, I, I always joke around kind of, but it's not a joke. If you think the egos are big downstairs in the locker room, walk upstairs to the coaches' offices. Now, that's where the big egos lie. And there's never been a coach that I have met that, that doesn't think he can fix a guy, right? That, that under my expert tutelage, I'll get the best out of this guy. So there will be somebody, I'm sure, that would be willing to give Russell an opportunity. Um, but I don't think you're going to, you know, I don't think you're going to, anoint him franchise quarterback and and put a big large con or give him a big large contract and uh have him you know have him come in and, and not compete for a job i think he's now at that stage of his career where you know he's gonna have to fight for his opportunities to fight for a you know a starting job and and he'll be a bridge quarterback like a lot of people are bridge quarterbacks until you know one of their young guys develops or until they don't play very well so that's i think that's the path that he's on right now um, and I, I guess, you know, I've talked to a lot of quarterbacks. I've talked to a lot of people. You can always get better at certain things. But here's a guy in, what, his 12th year that still doesn't throw with anticipation, that doesn't throw it into windows, you know, where receivers will be breaking into. He doesn't he's, – he's still, at, after 12 years, what I would call a sight thrower. I need to see the guy open. I need to be in my, my vision tunnel. I need to see him open before I throw the ball. And – you know, you can't survive long-term on, on you know, plays that, that aren't constructed, off-schedule plays. It's not a way to, to operate an offense. Like, I've never been in an offense. I mean, 12 years that I started in this league, I've never had a quarterback come into the offense and say, broken play on two, broken play on two, let's go. Like, that's not how it works. And, you know, it's nice when it happens. It's nice when you make a big-time off-schedule throw down the football field. But you can't base your offense on, hey, we're going to connect on you know six of these so we can count on scoring. That's not how it works. And so that's kind of where we are right now. I, I, I understand. I understand, um, you know, I understand where the Broncos are and why they made this decision. And, frankly, I agree with it. Like, breaking down the film, and I'm talking about not watching it on television. I'm talking about the coach's tape, the all-22 stuff. Um, there are so many throws that – the television doesn't capture. There are so many open guys and so many opportunities. Um, and, you know, I said this after they lost in Houston. They should have scored 45 at least on the Houston Texans in that particular game. Um, you know, and, and I had said on my radio show, like, I think Gardner Minshew, that, to, to come in there, they would have scored 45 points with him playing quarterback. I mean, it was, it was so dramatic the number of throws that he missed, the number of opportunities that were left on the field. And that's, you know, that's on a weekly basis when you really dig into the coaches' tape and, and see, what, uh, see what's actually being missed on the football field. We're talking to Mark Schlereth, three-time Super Bowl champion, host of the Stinkin' Truth podcast here on A Sportsman Like on ESPN Radio. Mark, third, we got about 30 seconds left before we got to get out of here. Sean Payton, we talked a lot about Russell Wilson, but Sean Payton – what grade would you give him from his, for his performance and how he's handled this first year as a coach in Denver? 
Well, I think there. I, I I would I would give him like I know that he's taking a lot of heat and and yeah, I would give him a a B A minus. Like the the culture of this organization has not been good. The ownership issues have been real, and a lot of the things he's come in and set. You know, he set he gave them a chance to to win and to to reestablish a culture, and then he's holding guys accountable, and that's that to me is big. So I probably A minus. I think he's done a really good job. All right, there you have it. We'll leave it there. Mark Schlereth, you can hear him on the Stinking Truth podcast. You can also hear him 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Hey, we appreciate it, Mark. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mark. My pleasure, guys. Take care. All right, so an A minus grade from Mark Schlereth, who knows a thing or two or about a thing or two. Uh, for Sean Payton, do you agree with it? Do you not agree with it? We're getting to that next, plus what – more the Denver Broncos can do with their quarterback situation. That's coming up next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Feels like Russell Wilson's biggest opposition this season was his head coach. He got embarrassed in the media. He got embarrassed on the sideline. Every chance he got, Sean Payton took a shot at his quarterback, and now his quarterback it's on the bench. It's Jared Stidham starting for the Denver Broncos in week 17. This is unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. They're not here today, but you've got Courtney Cronin and Mike Rothstein sitting in for the rest of the week. Damian Woody, our ESPN NFL analyst, kind enough to join us here this morning, coming to you live from the Seaport, brought to you by Grey Goose. And we were just talking with Mark Schlereth, uh, Woody, Woody, and he made the comment when we asked for a grade. He gave Sean Payton an A minus grade in his first season. Where do you fall on that? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I would probably give him a C, to be honest with you. I mean, listen, it, it's been it's been evident that Sean Payton didn't like Russell Wilson um from the get go. It just seemed like this it, the way that Russell Wilson plays the game isn't this isn't the style that Sean Payton has been accustomed to playing. Um, so I just felt like that that marriage, that relationship was never going to last. And when you look at this this situation, this is this is a this is a financial situation that that they're that they're going through right now. Um, there's going to be some long term ramifications from this from this whole situation because obviously 
Russell Wilson just signed that that deal with last year or whatever, and the the money that's going to be implicated as far as the cap is concerned is going to be substantial, not only next year, but I think for the next two two seasons. So Sean Payton's going to have to find another quarterback. He's going to have to they're going to have to dig themselves out of this this cap situation that that's going to arise from this the inevitable Russell Wilson trade or or release. So. There's a lot of work that, that's going to have to be done uh, for this Denver Broncos organization. Damien, following on that a little bit, you've been in a bunch of NFL locker rooms. You've seen a lot of quarterbacks. Is Russell Wilson have much left at this point, or is this kind of maybe Sean Payton, whether he likes him or not, kind of getting ahead of the steep decline that maybe would be to come? Yeah, listen, Russell Wilson isn't the guy that we've seen prime Russell Wilson some years ago in Seattle, you know, and that's been uh, that's been the case just watching him. You know, his athletic ability is not where it was once before. I think he still throws one of the best deep balls in the National Football League, which he's been known for throughout his career. But clearly this, the, the, the talent level, the, the things that Russell Wilson has been known for throughout his career – you know, didn't didn't marry up with what Sean Payton wanted to do. Um, I, I think that in order for and I know a lot of a lot of questions are going to be can the organization win win a championship with Russell Wilson? I think a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. Uh, the team around him has to be really really good um, because I think that the uh, you know the talent has been on a decline now for for a few years for Russell Wilson. So listen, man, it, it's a, this is an unfortunate situation and. And I got to also throw this out there, this this whole notion of Sean Payton saying that we need a spark. So we're going to throw Jared Stidham out there. <laughs> Can we cut the crap, please? Yeah. Can we please cut the crap? Like, come on, who's buying that? Who's buying the spark coming from Jared Stidham uh, with, with with this Denver Broncos organization? Yes, maybe Jared Stidham's family. Yeah, maybe they them. Might. And I'm not trying to just, you know, I'm not trying to <laughs> disparage that man because he has a job to do, but – you know, Sean Payton throwing that out there was one was one of the more unbelievable things I've heard in some time. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Unsportsmanlike. Ron Rivera had a similar comment when he said that Sam Howell was going to the bench and that it was going to be Jacoby Brissett helping them in this game against the San Francisco 49ers. He will be starting at quarterback. We don't know about Week 18 yet, but... It's the benching we're not talking about as much as the one that certainly is drawing all the headlines. But if the writing's on the wall for Ron Rivera and that staff in Washington, is this anything other than him trying to last-ditch effort, save his job? Because I'm not so sure Jacoby Brissett is going to give them that spark to go beat arguably the best team in, in football right now, certainly the best team in the NFC. Well, I think a, a lot of people, including myself, felt like Jacoby Brissett was a better quarterback going into the season in the first place. Obviously, we know that that uh, you know Sam Howell was a guy that 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 they drafted last last year. He had to remember he had the impressive game against the Dallas Cowboys where they won, you know, won that game towards the end of the season, I believe, in Washington. Um, but most people thought that Jacoby Brissett was a better quarterback, and you saw anyone who watched that that um, Commanders Jets game. Um, last week, clearly saw when Jacoby Brissett came to the game how different the, the offense ran, how efficient it was. So I don't know what Ron Rivera is doing because, it, it, you know, I think it's, you know, it's kind of like everyone knows that their whole, they're, they're going to, new owner is going to clean house from top to bottom with their organization. So 
I, I don't even know what Ron Rivera is doing by switching up now at this juncture in the season. It's it's a really interesting question. I want to turn from bad to good. You spent what, three, four seasons in Detroit. Uh, Oof, yeah. Yeah, yeah you did. Were, but They were long, hard years, yeah. <laughs> they, they were. Uh, they, they were definitely long, hard years. But the Lions win their first division title yeah. since – before you, I lived there 1993. in 1993. Yeah, I know. The 93. I lived there for 12 years. You were there for four, and I yeah. covered the Lions for eight. We've seen the bad. Like, did that help you appreciate maybe what Dan Campbell has done and also what this maybe means for that city and that franchise? I am so happy for the Lions fan base because I was there in the bad times, and those fans would continually show up. Now, they would show up and boo. But they would show up. Like that fan base, they love football and they love the Lions. And for now and now to see them finally rewarded with uh Brad Holmes and and, and uh Dan Campbell to come come back, you know, come out there and resurrect that organization is just truly remarkable and and it you just gotta commend them for the job that they've done, um, instilling that culture and the way they've drafted and developed players uh, within that within that system uh, I, I'm really I'm just really really stoked for that organization and they're going to be hosting a home playoff game and and they have a, they have a, a chance they have an outside chance of maybe getting a one seat if everything falls right so kudos to everyone up and down that organization and on the flip side of their week 17 matchup is the team that they see on Saturday that's the Dallas Cowboys Dallas trying to break a two-game losing streak with a home win. We know they're such a different team when they play inside AT&T Stadium. What do you make about the last month for this group as they get into the postseason? Can they Are there elements that they can change to become a good road team in the playoffs considering they haven't shown it to us weeks one through 16? Well, usually, you know, good teams, when you play on the road, you know, number one, your defense, if you're a very good – if you have a very good defense – that usually travels. We always just say defense travels. Well, that's one of the problems with the Dallas Cowboys is, yes, they're fast, they're athletic, they can get after the quarterback. But if you can't stop the run, that's like one of the most paramount things that you have. That's like one of the first things you have to do is being able to stop the run because I always say you have to earn the right to rush the passer. If you can't stop the run, more than likely you're not going to win. You're not going to win many football games. And that's one of the things that the Dallas Cowboys defense has really struggled with particularly on the road, is stopping the run. And we know in this league, this is a copycat league, when you put things on tape, guess what? Every team after that is going to do it until you show that you've solved the problem. And the one thing that the Detroit Lions can do, they can run the football. They got a two-head, uh, two-headed attack in the backfield. Jameer Gibbs is really coming into form, and they got one of the best offensive lines in the league. So I know Dallas is playing at home, and they're a different team, but – Guess what? Like, you better strap up your chin strap because the Detroit Lions are coming. Yeah, they are coming this weekend. Third best rushing offense in the NFL. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs powering that engine. Damian Woody powering all of our knowledge here on Unsportsmanlike. You can catch him over on Get Up and First Take later this morning. D. Wood, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you, guys. All right, coming up next, Pat's over it. You'll find out what is grinding his gears this morning. But first, Mike has this from Vivid Seats. Bowl season, basketball, hockey, and pro football are in action, and Vivid Seats has it all for you and your ticket gifting needs this 
holiday season. See every one-timer, every touchdown, and every slam dunk live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for us fans, offering unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, annual birthday discounts, and more. Visit VividSeats.com and download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. I'm over it with Pat, the producer. People taking shots at Jalen Hurts all of a sudden? What's over Yankees fans? The Yankees stink? And people who stuff? are angry when you put ketchup on a hot dog? I think we've plateaued with Christmas movies. and I'm People who make ridiculous changes to their orders. Impatient texters. I hate people who share videos that are not funny. You know? I'm over it. I'm sick and tired and over it. You know what time it is here on Unsportsmanlike. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in for Evan, Canty, and Michelle. I'm sure Pat, the producer, is overworking with us this week, but I don't know if he's going to lead off with it there. Pat, no, that's, no. Tom- that's tomorrow. That's to- he's over. Yeah, tomorrow that's he's going to throw us under the it. bus the way that Sean Payton did. Russell Wilson, he's like, I hate you guys. You bled through every segment. You killed the clock. I'm waiting for his. I'm waiting waiting for his beratement tomorrow. I'm gonna be prepared. I'm gonna (laughs) bring like a guard to protect my emotions and my feelings, Pat. I'm ready. for I would never do that six more hours this week. Um. (laughs) Oh man, is even counting? You have me on Monday, just so you know. So be prepared. You don't have me. I'm flying back from Chicago. Sorry, Pat. I'm over New Year's Eve. It's just not that fun. It's not that fun of a holiday. It's like it, it, there's so it gets so much love, but it ends up just being a busy room where you're just standing around just talking to people. Like it's basically just worse Christmas, but for some reason we stay up way later. I don't really get it. Uh, it's not fun to me at all. Also, I don't get why anyone would ever want to go to Times Square. That seems like a nightmare. On it is New a Year's nightmare. Eve, no less. You know how many people pack into Times Square. I think I read it's like 40,000 within like all like the surrounding streets too. What time do you think you have to get there to get one of the spots where you're like up against, what is that? 42nd street. Like one of those streets like, that goes through the main drag. Uh, oh, like you got to get there like 12, Why 14 hours early. That? Why would and you it, do that? Well, also you can't really leave that spot. My brother did it once and got pretty close. You can't leave to like go to the bathroom. Like you're stuck. You're like stuck like a sardine. You're like, like it's bad. I don't really know what that was (laughs) that I did on television, but we'll go with it. Like, it's just awful. Pat, I'm with you. I'm over New Year's Eve, especially uh, I've been sober for many, many years. And 
since then, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Like, I will be happily sleeping well before midnight in Chicago. Yeah, I'm not. I don't understand the point of having one night a year to stay up past midnight when you could literally do this every weekend if you wanted to. And you're going out with people who never go out on New Year's Eve. The Uber prices are always like astronomical because everyone's trying to get a car to go home. It's impossible to get into a bar unless you have a ticket that you've purchased for a hundred bucks. Yeah. I, I had one Where New Year's Eve. Where are you Eve going ex- to the bar? I live no, that's in a major anywhere. city. I, yeah, that's I've done anywhere, one dude. big New Year's in Chicago back in 2012, and we went to this place where, you know, just to get in, and you were paying 100 bucks for, like, pre-bought tickets, and all you got was, like, the champagne toast at midnight. You had to pay for your drinks in addition to that. Oh, well, you you went to a bad part. You went to a bad place then because generally if you pay that, you can also – there's some sort of prefix menu or there's uh, you know free drinks or whatever. Like there are options. You can find places. You just picked a bad place, Cordy. But I'm with you, Pat. I'm over New Year's Eve. I'm also over the holiday texter, the person who texts you specifically just <laughs> around the holidays to say, hey, happy holidays. Hope you're well. But you don't want to hear from them. It's not like someone you were close with or anything who – is texting you like, hey, you know, happy holidays or whatever. It's always just some random person you haven't heard from in months or maybe even years. Like, <laughs> get that person out of here. See, I, I disagree with you, man. Like, I think it's it's a way if say there's because, listen, the relationships in life ebb and flow, Pat. Like you have relationships, they ebb, they flow like most relationships do throughout the course of a lifetime. And sometimes that can be a way to reconnect again with somebody that maybe you're, you're thinking about. They're in your mind. You're like, you know what? I haven't talked to that person in a while. I moved or I've been really busy or it's been a busy season in my life. And I, I miss that relationship. And I want to see if there's a way to, you know, do that again because we were friends for a while and had meaningful relationships together as friends. So, yeah, I, I, I disagree with you, man. I think you, you're missing the boat here. there. It sounds like this is something you've gone through recently, Mike. <laughs> no, I, I, I am a holiday texter, so that's part of it, which you've known me for a long time, so that probably surprises you not at all. I'm always just waiting for that person to be like, hey, by the way, can you give me a tour at ESPN or something like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like the guy, All right, well, that's, like guy that, or that's the stuff that bothers something. me. Now, that's what, what bothers me is the person who reaches out and it's not genuine. They're reaching out to pretend that they care. And then it's really with the guise of, hey, I need something. Or can you get me tickets for something? Which, by the way, first rule of sports writer, we can't get you tickets for things. We just can't. I cannot get you tickets. Courtney cannot get you tickets. It doesn't work that way. I had uh, somebody from high school. I remember this. This is like oh, maybe like eight, ten years ago. I was in their city, and you know, we're Facebook friends, and they saw that, and they were like, hey, how you been, man? And I'm like, hi, person I haven't talked to since middle school or high school. And like five minutes go by, and we're, t- we're t- chatting back and forth, and he's like, hey, can you get me tickets for the game this weekend? I was like, no, sorry. I'm like, don't be that person. If you're oh, going to reach you, out to somebody, be genuine. You didn't even do the like, ah, I'll see what I can do fully not intending to actually try. You just like straight up no. I was, I was like, I I, was that's not like, part yeah, of the, That's it's... not part of the job. I don't have, I, I basically, I don't have those contacts and connections. Like, it's, I, just, it's literally not something like, oh, let me call my connect within the ticket office. Like you cover the team. You wouldn't right. have that. And that's what, I don't know. It, that baffles me that people still do this after however many years it's been since we both started covering sports. Like, our friends, our family, they know these things, yet somehow <laughs> they always think, oh, like, 
oh, like you could call so-and-so and get tickets to XYZ. Like, no, no, I can't. I have to pay full price just like everybody else. Um, and that's, that's what happens. That's, uh, that's part of it, but it's not, uh, it's annoying nonetheless. Yeah, like per- person in my people who know me if you want to reach out and like reconnect sure great happy to do it but don't do it because you want something like yeah. be genuine that's my whole thing be authentic be genuine all right it's it's the things that pat is over i'm over it right now on sportsman like espn radio as always presented by progressive insurance what's next uh people who don't know how to drive in the rain stay home get an uber just you know, call out sick. You're slowing down everyone. This we sounds, got places uh, to this be. You, like you would not like the shot. city of Atlanta. Yeah, it might be see this morning. Pouring <laughs> rain outside right now, and the drivers are a nightmare. You you would not like living in Atlanta or Los Angeles because when it rains in either one of those cities, it just, just stay home. Just you will not like it. Well, LA LA is a whole other beast too. Well, to be fair, they only get rain a like three days without a year. the rain, but. Wait, Pat, is this a shot at Mikey C because he was nearly late this morning and no, you no. said it's a monsoon outside and that was his excuse for not being able to get to the <laughs> studio more than two minutes before he went on air? Oh, there he is! There he is! <laughs> Walking back in, Mikey, you can defend yourself now. Well, yeah, are we talking? Yes. You had it there a second ago. See, you flustered him. Doesn't even know how to use the board anymore. Are we talking rain or the monsoon that's going on outside? <laughs> because there's a big difference between rain and what's going on right now in Bristol, Connecticut. Are you are you a poor driver in the rain? Is that what you're I'm saying? I'm a poor driver in a monsoon, okay? Uh, there should be nobody in the Northeast that is a bad driver in any sort of weather because there's snow all the time. I'm sorry. That's poor, Mikey just, just to be that's clear, poor. same weather for me this morning. I drove 75 the whole time. Well, you know, I mean, that's uh, also... I mean, uh, 65, 65. Time over yeah. unsafe drivers in I was gonna say, do you have a, wet do you have a death wish, Pat? Yes. No, no I, got, I got here fine. It was great because I know how to drive. Wow. Well, I, I feel like we left just us opened all up a major can of, can of worms <laughs> in the uh, control room in Bristol. Uh, Mikey, you know, I just I just appreciate the fact that you're here. I'm glad that you're here safe. Thank unlike you, safely. The, yeah. Unlike yeah. the speed demon who's producing <laughs> the show. 75 in no, the no, rain. Sorry. Uh, 65 for legal reasons. 65 for legal reasons. <laughs> yeah, I was going the speed I won't limit. even tell them what car you drive so the cops aren't on the lookout for you uh, when you try to leave here today and you inevitably gun it out of... Uh, ESPN studio. Just stop so. driving under the speed limit. Go. That is, I mean, the good thing we're here tomorrow. You can talk about people yeah. who drive in the left lane and go way under the speed limit because I know that really irritates you, you. You have a lot of road rage, don't you, Pat? He most certainly does not because he's a calm driver and he drives the speed limit. Only sometimes. All right, we got a Thursday night game between the Browns and the Jets. We discuss what it means next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.